My name is Ed Peters, and I welcome you to What's New. We continue today in Acts chapter 20, moving on to verses 13 through 17. These verses begin Luke's account of Paul's brief stop at Miletus, which is the port for the city of Ephesus. Paul had just spent a week revisiting the city of Troas. While there, he brought back to life a young man that had fallen three stories to his death. Now Luke continues with his account of Paul's return trip to Jerusalem, and he writes, Paul was going by land to Asos, and we went ahead by ship. He joined us there, and we sailed together to Mytilene. The next day we passed Chios, the next we touched at Samos, and a day later we arrived at Miletus. Paul had decided against stopping at Ephesus, this time as he was hurrying to get to Jerusalem, if possible, for the celebration of Pentecost. But when we landed at Miletus, he sent a message to the elders of the church at Ephesus, asking them to come down to the boat to meet him. Into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus, come Now here to bring us our study for today is Pastor Henry Harder. Today will be a travelogue. Paul is in a hurry to get to Jerusalem. He has left Troas on the eastern shore of what is now Turkey. Troas was near ancient Troy and just south of present-day Istanbul. From Troas, while Paul's companions took the ship, he chose to go by land, 20 miles east and a little south, to a port named Asos. Here he joined his companions on board ship and sailed to Mytilene, 30 miles south. Here they anchored for the night. Mytilene was the most important city on the east coast of the island of Lesbos in the Aegean Sea, just west of Pergamos. Originally, Mytilene itself lay on a separate island, but it is now joined by a causeway to Lesbos, the largest of the Greek islands off the Asia Minor coast. Mytilene had a magnificent harbor, suitable and safe for an overnight anchor. Remains of an ancient theater are still visible in this harbor town. Its semicircle is clearly indicated on the slope of the hill on the west side of the city. 
Some of the graduated rows of theater seats also remain. A number of pieces of a mosaic floor date to Roman times. According to inscriptions found there, the city had an interest in the cult of many gods. From this same harbor, the cargo freighter sailed east the next morning, making its way through the beautiful, picturesque, narrow channel west of Smyrna to the island of Chios. At its narrowest, the channel is only five miles wide and contains a number of small islands. Chios, the island, is about 30 miles long and varies in width from 8 to 18 miles. It is generally rocky and unproductive, although its wines and gums were a source of trade in ancient times. Chios was also the name of the chief city of the island, situated on the east coast near the south end. This island was the supposed birthplace of the poet Homer. In the 5th century B.C., the Chians were called the richest of the Greeks. From Chios, Paul's vessel sailed northeast to Samos, also an island in the Aegean off the west coast of Asia Minor, opposite Ephesus. It is 27 miles long, 14 miles wide. A narrow strait of only a mile separates it from the mainland. According to some manuscripts, Paul's ship sailed from Samos across the narrow strait to the port of Trogilium on the mainland south of Ephesus. Today it is called Santa Maria, and the place of anchorage is called, interestingly enough, Paul's Port. From here, Paul's vessel crossed the open gulf of Miletus to the mainland and to the city of Miletus near the mouth of the Meander River, about 30 miles south of Ephesus. While this city does not play a key role in early Christianity, it was an important city in Greek and early Roman times. In the 7th century B.C., Miletus became a great sea power that dominated the Black Sea trade. It also became distinguished for its literary, philosophical, and scientific accomplishments. It was the home of the first Greek philosopher, Thales. One of his successors, Anaximander, is credited as the first person to draw a map of the world. Evidently, Herodotus, who is called the father of history, was influenced by a school of antiquarian historians founded Miletus. The Meander River slowly silted up the harbor and the city died. Only a small village remains, which is said to be deserted. Paul's ship would have entered the city through the narrow harbor of the Lions, which could be closed off by chains at its entrance. The port was so called because of two huge lion statues that flanked the entrance. Paul would have disembarked on marble pavement near a monumental gateway. He would have walked down a street 29 meters wide with colonnades, shops, baths, and a gymnasium. The street was only a hundred meters long and ended in a huge square. One of the largest theaters from Roman times was uncovered here at Miletus. This city had a Jewish colony, but evidently the Jews had become secularized. An inscription found in the theater allocated a block of seats to the Jews and referred to some of the Jews as God-fearing. So apparently some were not God-fearing. Paul's ship had passed, Ephesus, 
Although Paul would have loved to visit there for some time, he didn't want to take the time since he hoped to make Jerusalem by Pentecost, which in A.D. 57 fell on May 29. No doubt he would have wanted to go to Jerusalem at Passover, but he knew he couldn't make it, and Pentecost was on the 15th day after Passover. Pentecost was the second of the great pilgrim festivals of Judaism, Passover being the first and Tabernacles, or Sukkot, being the third. The ship, however, stayed in port at Miletus for several days. So Paul sent word to the elders of the church at Ephesus, only 30 miles north, to meet him at Miletus. The elders arrived, and Paul spoke to them. I want you to hear what this great apostle of Christ said to this group of men. It's a very instructive speech. Evidently, it was a farewell speech. I don't have time to read it today, but I will tomorrow. Reading it reminds the Bible student of other touching farewell addresses, such as the one by that great patriarch Jacob in Genesis 49, or by Moses in various parts of the book of Deuteronomy, and by Jesus on the Mount of Olives, John 13 to 16. Paul's purpose was to encourage the leaders of the Ephesian church to exhort them and to warn them. Here was Paul, conscious of his apostolic authority, giving the Ephesian church a miniature letter, like his letters to other churches. It's a very touching scene. Paul had faced many storms in his lifetime, literally storms by sea and other storms on land. He had been jailed and beaten. While Luke doesn't give us details in Acts, evidently many of Paul's greatest storms were experienced at Ephesus. To say goodbye to this group of Christians was a difficult experience for this apostle. But the storms at Ephesus had been necessary for the establishment of the testimony of Christ there. I've asked Diana and Cheryl to sing a song entitled, A Storm Now and Then. Oh 
Snow is a radio production of Creative Encounters. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 848, Chapter California, 93263, USA.